As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, welcome to episode 31 of the Black Hole Cinema Podcast. Once again, I'm your host for this evening, Emma Platt, and joining me is Mr. Chris Haig. Hello. I'm Mr. Chris Byrne. Hello. And because Chris Haig's here tonight, that just basically means that me and him aren't going to talk about any of the topics we're supposed to at all. We have topics. <laughs> Apparently. Yes. <laughs> I know that the messages on Twitter, and so this <laughs> week we have got our usual movie news. Apparently. We were going to try and do some movie news, but we've all just gone, what are you talking about tonight? What are you talking about tonight? So, yeah. see how that goes. Oh, there'll be there's, news. There's that we've, news. We've... Uh, yeah. Then yeah. we're going to talk about Knock Knock, which is Keanu Reeves' new film, because apparently he, he is still making films, which was a surprise. Then we've got... Did you not see John Wick? No. We'll also be doing last week's box office <laughs> figures. And then moving on to Minions... And then we will yeah. be finishing off with yeah. dead meat. That's my that's my alien noise. Uh, where we will be talking about alien films tonight and getting all deep about big monsters that come from the sky, shit like that. So you're in for a good time tonight, even if we don't actually talk about any of that stuff. It'll be fun at least. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> so movie news. Don't know why I sang that, but what the fuck. Shut up, Emma. I'm losing it already. So, movie news. Just going to keep saying movie news, movie news, movie news. Just keep doing it in a different way, like movie news, movie news. <laughs> movie news, movie news. It's going to be stuck in my head now all night. So, my movie news, movie news, is um, they have cast the new Spider-Man. 19-year-old English actor Tom Holland, who will appear in the third Captain America movie next year. This I'm taking this from theatlantic.com. See, referencing and shit. 
because I'm a fucking professional. Um, this will be <laughs> the what third time in just over ten years that we'll have any Spider-Man. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'll be like, it'll be like fifteen, sixteen, because one of the first Spider-Man like two thousand, two thousand one. Oh my god! Don't remind me how old I am. Maybe later, yeah. actually. So we've had three Spider-Mans in 13 years. Okay. Um, I don't know, Tom Holland, I believe he's been in Wolf Hall or something like that? Yeah, he's in like bits. I th- I've yeah. not seen him in anything either, but I've heard he was in Wolf Hall he's, and he uh, did. He was in the, um, that um, tsunami oh, the, film, the, uh, oh, yeah. the Impossible. Yeah, I didn't watch that. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we've got a new, a new Peter Parker, not a Miles Morales or anything else, as people were you know, wondering about. It will be Peter Parker. Hopefully, it won't be another fucking origin story, because we don't need that. Everyone... No, they've, they've confirmed that. They've confirmed that. No, we're definitely so, not doing that. It's was it's, The film is going to start. He will be Spider-Man well, from the gonna, very beginning. he's uh, going to be in Civil War, just which does. I'm really looking forward to Civil War. And I'm hoping they're, like, kind of just fighting in the street, and then Captain America sees Spidey just swing by and say something sarky, and they're like, what the fuck was that? And that's all you get. That's it. Just a clip. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I... See you later. It's turn heard. <laughs> I heard as well. Oh, that's that. <laughs> um, Marvel, I can't remember. I think I read this on Reddit, which is my source of all my information, that Stan Lee <laughs> and Marvel got a little bit of like stick for casting a, a white actor as um, Spider-Man again. Yeah. And Stan Lee kind of came out and said, you know, because they were going with the Peter Parker down the Peter Parker route that he he felt like Peter Parker should be white because he wouldn't want to cast like he said he wouldn't want to cast someone who was Swedish as Black Panther or something like that and I kind of understand where he was coming from but I kind of understand people's disappointment almost that they didn't take the opportunity to go down a different route because we have seen two Peter Parkers now so it it would have been nice but you know like, the, kinda... the, thing, the thing is, I mean, the, the Pacific, I mean, what, what Stanley said doesn't make that much sense, because in that case, why cast a Brit? And, you know. but, um, but the whole point of his Civil War, the fact that it is actually Peter Parker, because if you actually read the comics of War, it is the spoiler, it's the one, it's, it, it's, it's the moment where Peter Parker yeah, actually yeah. reveals, or it's in the comic, reveals who he is. So it is a critical moment that it should be Peter Parker and yeah, make it cause... someone else. So I think that's yeah. more where they're yeah, coming from. Like you said, Peter but... Parker is such an integral part in the Civil War. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, I, c- I could because he's not going to be in Civil War. <laughs> Basically, spoiler alert, I'm going to spoil Civil War for you now. Well, okay, Peter, yeah. In, in, but, in Civil yeah. War, Peter Parker starts off on one side and ends up on the other, basically. He switches sides halfway through. That's okay. It. So, Sorry. but he's not, he's not going to be in it that much. He's just going to have a little bit of a cameo, isn't it? Because Civil War is already so jam-packed with so many superheroes and things like that. It's, yeah. it's not going to be like the no, comics of a war in it's going to be in the, in the briefest no, the sense. Yeah, because they start Civil War essentially. Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see what they do, and I'm really hoping for the venom I goddamn deserve on screen. I'm looking at you, Sam Raimi. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what you did. You fucking know what you did. Apparently, yeah. Ben Affleck will be directing a standalone Batman film um, in 2018. I have every confidence that Batfleck will be a good Batman. So. Yeah. I, if that he, film sucks, doing... it won't no, be from no. him. Yeah. Because he has kind of. He's going through, you know, the, his own kind of reconnaissance <laughs> at the moment. He is actually quite good. It's about the fact he gave, you know, it was like Daredevil, which is. Possibly. It's fine. I like, I like Daredevil. It's not bad. Do you know, I really not like it. 
I it was fine the first time watching it, and I it was on like Film Four or some film channel a few uh, a couple of years ago when I was on a night shift, and I just watched it, and I was like, wow, this is actually just it's really sloppy. Have you that seen is, the director's that, cut? That's why does it make it better? So. It's generally better. It's like it fleshes out some more of the characters in it, in it and it actually has a bit more of a greater story. So it is it works oh, yeah. better. I think I was watching an evening with Kevin Smith, and this was like maybe eight years ago now. And Kevin, it was like a, a you know, it was one man show, and he was saying he yeah. was talking to the guy who directed Daredevil, whose name escapes me, and he was saying to Kevin Smith, "Who do you think should be Daredevil?" And he was like, "Ben Affleck." And he was like, because I just think Ben Affleck should play everyone. Whether that's true and that had any bearing in Ben Affleck being cast as there, I don't know. But Maybe. Also this week, <laughs> uh, some sad news. Patrick McNee, who is best known for playing John Steed in the Avengers, passed yes. away at the age of 93 oh. in his home in California. I, My dad watched the Avengers a lot when I was younger and apparently yeah. I was named after Emma Peel. Apparently. Oh shit, no way! This is what my dad tells tells me because the story goes my mum thought she was having a boy, and back in the, the late 80s, the gender scans weren't very clear, so they had the name Thomas picked out for me, which was is my brother's name. So when I was born, and they were like, my own parents were like, I haven't got a name for her, my dad suggested Emma because of Emma Peel. So, oh, which is, that's nice. I'll take that. And not just my dad was like, fuck it, we'll just call her Emma because why the fuck not? It's hell of a good name, say. My mum told me for years that I was named yeah. after a song, but I prefer to be named after Emma Peel, to be honest. Yeah. I've just started watching them, because they're on um, True Entertainment, which is just a random channel somewhere there, floating around, and they just... Because I watched one, and because I'd never seen it, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to watch it. They're really good. Like, if you... It's Patrick Money and Diana Rigg, and it's... It's honestly, it's kind of camp mad brilliance. Um, and they've just gone into the colour ones. So I'm just... I'm kind of watching them... But you know, like a like a Sunday afternoon, no one. That's You're like, ah, exactly oh, okay, I'll stick one on, and it was really good. He was in the Avengers, and he reprised his role in New Avengers from 1976 to 77. And he was a voiced a character in the Avengers film, which, if anyone remembers that, which sure Connery and him, oh. and I swear there was like a weather machine oh. or some shit like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's sad news for this week. Has been, seems, yeah, 93 though, it's a good age. Quite a high profile um, losses in the show business world this year. So, yeah. That's quite oh. sad. But let's. It's increasing because last year was pretty bad yeah. as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Robert yeah. Williams and. It's, it's, yeah. it's just not good, is it? So, let's move on to something happier. Chris or Chris? Right, um... Chris H or Chris B? He's got some movie news. Movie news! Movie news! Well, the only one that I can think of at the top of my head, which is again another sad story of death, but uh, James Horner as well. That that was pretty. Oh God, yeah, yeah, he just passed that away. Yeah, plane crash, wasn't it? But oh. yeah, no, it's that's that's another shot. He's like again, like another one of those workaholic like posers who, who just worked on like countless films and has you know, I mean, you got him to thank for Titanic and that Celine Dion song. You know, you're welcome. <laughs> but you know, he has done. Like tons of other work as well. Like uh, he did Aliens, he did uh, Rafa Khan. I think that's one that stands out for me. I mean, he had a job of doing Star Trek music when they didn't actually have the theme tune around. So, um, oh, well, they didn't use the theme tune at least anyway. But uh, yeah, he, he, again, yeah. he's another one of those guys. Yeah. 
Um, I've found something that is um, is genuinely the most Area. random story, I think, of the month that I've managed to find. And I'm reading from the Birmingham Mail uk. so thank you Birmingham Mail for this one uh, pop sensation Harry Styles generally um, if, if no one knows uh, do, do, do we use the word sensation quite <laughs> no, no it's, not, it's, it's not in like brackets or anything it's not in like quotes it's just like pop sensation no um, yeah Harry Styles could be in line to play a young Frank Sinatra in a film pro- directed and produced by none other than Martin Scorsese Scorsese Sit the fuck down and take your bleeding medication. How fucking dare you? How dare you, Martin Scorsese? The fuck is this (laughs) shit? Um, But I I, I personally don't think he'll get it because it says uh, he faces competition from uh, singer and actor Justin Timberlake, who actually can act, so, you know, good for him. Screen icons Leo DiCaprio, James Franco and Eddie Redmayne. They're all apparently going for the... uh, I wouldn't for like the Franco do it. I need to say my favourite Frank Sinatra story ever. Right? This cracks me up. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Mia Farrow was married to Frank Sinatra after he broke up from Ava Gardner. And then they broke yes. up because of the whole Rosemary's Baby thing. But they remained close. And after the Woody Allen thing came out where, you know, he was, you know, doing stuff with his, his adopted daughter, Sui. <laughs> Apparently, Frank Sinatra yeah. phoned Mia Farrow and offered to break his legs. Oh, I think that's really sweet, actually. It's like a really that, dark way. I think so. That's, that's a film I want to see. <laughs> yeah. See, that isn't a movie yeah. idea. Frank Sinatra versus Woody Allen. <gasps> like, a, like that... Um, what's that, oh, that, cartoon. that was it, yes. Well, it's just like the versus each other in a boxing ring. I'm like, yes, someone beat the shit out of yeah. Woody Allen. Just yeah. go for it. But it'll, it'll, it'll be like a chase movie, like you know, like function that's just like a like a New York Terminator <laughs> type thing, just like nonstop. Yeah. And like uh, Woody Allen just like nervously apologising, just running away from every situation. I'd see that. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Can we? Can we? I, ne- I, I never can now because they're both dead. But oh, that's no Woody, Woody Allen. Dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah. He's not dead. Well, he's still doing films. He's, he's talented, <laughs> but. <laughs> Any sense of credibility of his yeah. is dead. Yeah. Um, well, actually, to be honest, I, I, to be honest, I thought he was pretentious anyway. Yeah, but, he, he totally yeah. Is. But I'm, I'm not a big I'm Woody Allen fan, so I'm sorry. He's one of those directors that when you go do... I mean, when I was at university, he made us watch Manhattan, and we had to write... Oh, um, uh, do, do, do you get angry at yeah, the ending like, like I did? But we had to write an analysis of Manhattan, and I was just like, this is bullshit! Oh, this is bull... What the fuck is wrong with him? What the fuck is wrong with this girl? This is crap! And my tutor was yeah. just like, I'll give you a first love. Well done. <laughs> Just like, fuck you, Woody Allen. That's awesome. Right, yes. so, movies, movies. We're going to talk now about... <laughs> Shut up, Emma. Knock, knock, which is not the start of a joke. Oh, I knew Who's you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves who? I don't know. What the fuck? Carry on. Chocolate with sprinkles. Everybody packed. Bye, guys. Who's there? Yes? We're so sorry to bother you, sir. My phone got wet and she left hers at her house. Well, if you guys want, you can come in and use my phone. Guys, I have your clothes. They're pretty much dry. Surprise! I can't do this. I'm married. Happily. Yes, you can. Hey. It's a little secret. 
Just relax and enjoy. Knock Knock, Keanu Reeves' new film. Right, so we've seen Knock Knock. Okay, basically, Knock Knock is a new film by Eli Roth, who uh, is, is, well, it, it would say it's its comeback film from directing, but he has directed another film called Green Inferno, but yeah, that's not out yet. Steve, so. isn't, it? isn't it a cannibal film or something? Yeah. And he's doing yeah. um, yes. a shark film, I believe. It's it's one it's one of the weird things how he's like he's, he's made a film and it's like gone gone from the festival circuit and and at some point after making his new film he's had like a, a surge of inspiration like and made this other film quickly and that somehow managed to come out before his other films come out so it's one of the weird things but anyway no no it stars Keanu Reeves he plays like a, a happy fam- a happily married man with uh, two kids and uh, his wife uh, take his two kids off for a little uh, weekend away uh, while he stays home and finishes off his uh, his work as a what's it like a blueprinty kind of <laughs> architect thing. Well. <laughs> well, he deals with designing. <laughs> Uh, he's an architect uh, and also a former DJ. Uh, he gets a knock on the door on a very stormy, rainy night, and it's uh, two, um, shall we say, scanty clad women who, uh, who dressed up for a party and are lost, and he invites them in and uh, hilarity issues. No, um, <laughs> basically, they seduce him. They basically seduce him. Like, they, they basically seduce him. You know, he has a threesome, and then it. They basically become his worst nightmare in every possible way. It's not like it's a Marmite film. It's either you love it or you hate it. And I'm kind of undecided on whether I love it or hate it. I could I, I could even, like, depending on who I'm having a conversation with, I could, I could either go with them liking it or go with them absolutely hating it. Because, uh, you know, while I did kind of enjoy it, I liked its kind of, like, trashy trashiness kind of, like... Almost the way it was made, which was very like on the spot, kind of like yeah, fuck it, just to get let's get Charlotte and make it kind of thing. It, you know, it, it does have like a certain sort of amount of charm, and you know, I think Keanu Reeves is a likable presence in this, even though you know, even though it does kind of the acting is a bit questionable. <laughs> but again, I am still undecided because it's 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 just one of those films that kind of even though it's entertaining, it, it can fall apart quite easily. I mean, I don't know how, how much you want to go to spoilers with go this, but but essentially. Generally, it's basically, essentially, it's a morality tale, or basically, like, don't sleep around, essentially. It's like, they, they, these these two girls come around, they're, like, kind of, like, they tempt him to have sex, and then they, and he, like, caves, eventually. And then afterwards, they're like, right, we are gonna fuck you up. We're gonna fuck all your, like, you know, we, we know, we are gonna basically punish you. But, yeah, they still kind of destroy his wife's artwork, and... Do and base and do all these various things, which you think, yeah, but the wife hasn't done anything. Why are you pushing her? But you know, so it doesn't quite tie in. There's also a murder involved as well, which you think, well, that person who died I didn't do anything wrong, you know. So you know, there's no remorse over that. So if you if you're strictly trying to punish, you know, Janice's character, why are you, what's the deal going on there? You know, it just it just doesn't tie in well. Also, you could you know. Try, there's a line that Keanu Reeves says towards the beginning when he like lets them in and says, oh yes you know it's quite you know brave you to like like two strangers in your room and he like makes a comment like oh well, I'm pretty sure that you know I yeah I can take both of you on kind of kind of thing which kind of okay that's a little bit of a, of a shitty line even though he's got a bad arm then they kind of use that fact that he's got a bad arm as a way that they like you know they take him basically which I thought yeah girl power <laughs> um I mean, it's like you think well, if they're going to make that a point, then you know, then why, then why don't you just like, yeah, well, you know, the girls took him, you know, 
well, you know, they outsmarted him and they they took him one like Lee kind of reads with a dodgy arm. It's like if I, oh if, if only I had my you know it was it was it's fighting best I would have taken. You know it's just like it just feels like yeah it's no excuse and it's like the film doesn't have its own convictions of <laughs> so you know it, it it's 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 a weird thing. I you know I'm I'm willing to give it by what a semi positive <laughs> review. <laughs> You waited a long time before the positive. But you know there is there is problems with it. It's like if you if you if you stand if you stand down and pick you pick a part of it, it will just deteriorate on your eyes. Uh, there is a lot of overreacting with galleries. I mean, he does. I think he does a good job at the beginning. Uh, someone who is fighting temptation, but that there is a moment towards the end of the film where he's just letting rip. He's just like going like, "You fucking messed You <laughs> you gave you basically gave it to me on a plate. You know, you did this." But, Thing, basically like i like sort of tempting his like idea like well i've not had sex in ages i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm that sort of sexually frustrated you know you just gave it to me so i just caved you know i secretly wanted it but but yeah i I'd, I'd say it's worth watching it just just to see what you think of it but a lot of people hate it a lot of people actually quite enjoyed it basically yes that's my view but you know that's always my review anyway because i think I think, despite what I say, it's always worth seeing a film and then making your own mind up anyway, because at the end of the day, well, I've got my own opinion. What about yours? You know what I mean? Very well done. Very concise. No rambling. That won't last long. That won't last long. (laughs) We're long overdue for a ramble. (laughs) It's been seven minutes. Okay. Back to professionalism now. Box office figures. Yeah. Right. So... At number 10, Mad Max Fury Road. It's taken £16,955,183, which is a lot of money for Britain, really, you know. And it seems yeah. universally acclaimed. Universally? Universally. Universally Universally acclaimed for that one, so. Um, worth checking out because everyone seems to love it and it's got Tom Hardy in who seems like a nice guy just a nice guy go support Tom mm. Hardy number 9 yes. Empire Strikes Back which was the secret cinema film for this year so it's not going to be on next week I don't think oh it's been on for 3 weeks I am I am not a Star Wars fan by any means I understand all uh, I understand why it's important and I understand why people like it but I think I just I didn't watch it until I was far too old to really appreciate it for what it is, which is a jumped-up toy commercial. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't oh. beat me, don't don't come after me, Star Wars fans. Really, don't just don't. Yeah. It, it, it's it's. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll I'll take the brunt of this. Like Empire Strikes Back is not the greatest movie of all time. There, there, there yeah. are. The people will attack me for that. But no, no, no. It's fine. I agree. I'm not because you, you, you know why. You know why? Because it doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. It, it yeah, does yeah. not work on its own on its own terms. If you watch that as a single piece of film, it does it it, it it's yeah. not satisfactory. You need it's like it's it ends like on two a two hours. Yeah, it ends on a to be continued. So therefore, you cannot say it's the greatest film of all time. Uh, I mean, you could you could say that about the first part, the, the okay. first part of a trilogy because yeah. it has an end. You know, it's you know, well, most of them do. You know, I get it's probably the best of the six films, but it's not the greatest. I mean, come on, it's not. You put that other films like now or Taxi Driver or or even Back to the Future. I mean, Back to the Future shits over Jedi of uh, Empire. Sorry, sorry, say that, but 
Number eight, Insidious <laughs> Chapter 3, which has taken three and a half million in the last three weeks, which is not surprising. You know, horror films are still quite popular, no matter how shit they are. So, Number seven, The Longest mm-hmm. Ride. First week on release, 419,000. So, see how that goes. I wouldn't be surprised if it was dropped out of the top ten by next week. My boy yeah. Dwayne Johnson at number six with San Andreas. Ten million gasoline, lads. That's done rather yeah. well, though, isn't it? Surprise. Yeah. Well, have you heard? Oh, bit of movie news. He's doing uh, it's Rampage. It's too late for movie news now. You had your chance. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I just thought that I was like, oh, yeah, he's doing it off a video game. So I'm like, yes, go on, right. Because <laughs> uh, San Andreas is such yeah. a huge hit. Entourage so. at number five, which I, yeah. I, I haven't seen, yeah. but... I am led to believe by the Twitters that everyone hates it. I haven't seen yeah. it. I, I'm interested to actually watch it. I've never no, watched the TV show, so... I think so, um... Lethem might be watching the TV no. show, or he has watched a TV show, so... Um, oh, I recommend, if if you're kind of undecided about Leon Traj, listen to Mark Commode's uh, review of it. Because I don't listen to a lot of Mark Commode's like, film reviews, but just listen to it. It is so funny. He basically says it makes Sex and the City 2 look like, um, I don't <laughs> know, Blade Runner. I don't know why, but he's just like, it's... it's Entourage is so shit, and it treats its female characters so badly that it makes Sex and the City 2 look really feminist, and I'm just like, oh, shit, okay. It just, it just, it just looks awful. I mean, it does look like, kind of like the guy's version of Sex and the City 2. Mm, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, it, I guess. It does. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, I, I mean I, I've never watched the Entourage, so, I, you know, uh, I, 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 think, I think if you're, like, a fan of the TV show, you'd probably get something out of it. But again, it's like what, what mm. I was saying. Well, what we were all saying about uh, Empire. It's like if you know a film cannot hold. You know, if you need the the TV show to justify the film, yeah. and the film does not work. Well, then you know it. Therefore, it is not a good film on its own. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I never got into it. I, I I think the 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 main guy, the the big floppy like Harry Styles in ten years oh, time. God, what is this yeah. guy? Um, Adrian Grenier. He, 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 Oh, well, well done, because he's just got me. He's like, oh, really? You, I've got, you've got no appeal to me whatsoever, and you look yeah. way too smug to be that popular. So, um, yeah. Do you know, that, do you know the other reason up. I know him is because he was in a um, film called <laughs> Drive Me Crazy. This is the Britney Spears. Yeah, we've listened to it in 1999, and it's just because I quite liked the Britney Spears song back then. So that's the other reason I knew it because we used to get quite dodgy. Um, free cable TV years and years and years ago and it just it was always on on a loop and I just remember being like oh I quite like the song and that's how I saw that film (laughs) (laughs) number four Mr. Holmes Ian McKellen's older Sherlock Holmes story I'm about to see this it's taken 741,000 in its first week which is it's good going so we'll see how that goes Spy at number three, almost, it's taken <laughs> over seven million in three weeks. And it, it seems to be, like, it's been wow. pushed quite a lot. <clears throat> so, and that got quite favourable reviews from our, our good selves. I think it's too, I think it's yeah, too long. Yeah, but... that's what I've heard for. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I really like it. I think it's probably my favourite comedy film of the past couple of years. But yeah, it could do with trimming a bit. But I, I still like it. I still thought it was really funny. And yeah. also, what's her face? Um, Amanda Hart. Yeah, that, that, yeah, she she can just not be in it. It's just like, yeah, she's not funny. 
it's yeah, it was just too long, too baggy, and 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 the whole thing at the at the end with the with the bad guy, just like I'm, I'm now I've been barely in the entire film, and I'll show up, I'm going to be the villain. It's just like, yeah, yeah, the villain needed work, but um, it's shame because he's a really good actor because he's in Danny Collins, and I thought he was like probably the best thing in it. Bobby Cannavale. I yeah. think it's really weird though, and this is just a real side, but he and Rose Byrne, who plays Raina in the film, they've been going out for a few years, but they keep getting put in films together, and I think it's really funny. Because they're in that, is it adults? I want to say adult swimmers, it's not. But they've, they've been in films together, like they were in Annie at Christmas. Now they're in this, they're doing another film together. And it's just really weird how they just keep getting paired up. Or is it like a package deal now? It's hmm. Yeah, it could could be. It could be like one of them, like, that's how they got together, the uh, the casting. They're like, oh, fancy meeting you here. <laughs> that kind of thing. Maybe they should have really good chemistry with each other. We don't know. Take anyway. that live concert was number two. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So, less said about that. That, that doesn't well, count, it, that's it, a that's film. It. Take it up with the BFI. It, it was in cinemas. And so, number yeah. one, no surprise, I know. Jurassic World, which in two weeks has yeah. taken over 38 million. Oh, my God. It's a God. monster of a movie. Well done, Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you were just waiting to use that, weren't you? So, that wraps up the box office. Take, takes a bite uh, out of the competition. Uh, oh, that was the uh, that was for last weekend from up to twenty first of June. I should have said uh, that at the beginning, but I fucking didn't. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, roaring at the box yeah. office. There we so, <laughs> our final film of this evening is prequel slash sequel slash shameless cash in Minions. Minions. Minions have been on this planet far longer than we have. They go by many names. Dave, Carl. Well, that one is Norbert. He's an idiot. They all share the same goal. To serve the most despicable master around. Finding a master was easy. Keeping a master, that's where things got tricky. Minions, if you have been living under a rock or you don't have a child, minions are those yellow little blobs who appear in the Despicable Me films. This is the origin story, almost, and it's basically... Mm. Minions have always been around, and they like to ally themselves with the biggest, baddest monster, person, whatever, and they lose all purpose if they don't, and after they kill Napoleon, I think it is, in the film, they (laughs) are very depressed and very sad, so Kevin, Stuart, and Bob go off to find themselves a new master. Now, if I didn't have a child, I wouldn't have gone to see this film. Because it yeah. it lacks a depth <laughs> that Pixar is so good at. It is just it's mm. it, it it it's just a really brightly coloured. It it's just for kids. It's not for adults. And Pixar films, you they kind of always have a message and a meaning, don't they? And this didn't have any of that. I was really bored after like twenty minutes of it. It was just. The pacing seemed really mm. off, 
and the animation you know it, it's it's animated it's not what I can say there was a little bit in the middle where the villain Scarlet Overkill who is voiced by Sandra Bullock is telling three minions a story and they changed the animation style slightly and I really liked that and that was quite good yeah that was but cool it's it's just really bland and the I didn't really laugh at it either there wasn't anything I found particularly funny my son absolutely utterly fucking loved it he Freddy doesn't go to the that often because he has a problem with his ears and certain frequencies really upset him so he will walk out of the film but he was enthralled by this he stood up the whole the whole time the film was on and he kept shouting really loudly because he's a he's a bit as well so <laughs> instead of just going oh mommy that was funny he was like mommy that was so funny which is Really impressive. Aww. So the delight of everyone else. Yeah, in but I'm just like, if that, I'd been sitting there with someone else and that'd been someone else's kid, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. But anyone else, I'm like, don't you look at my child like that. How fucking dare you? You leave him be. Yeah. To be fair, your son was probably telling everyone else where to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. Hint. Fucking honest, hint. Freddie was the only child in that whole screening. Oh. He was, okay. it was, it was, it was, oh. there was one guy who just kept going, nah. Nah, <laughs> and that was like the funniest thing about it. I asked Freddie. I did ask him what did he like about minions, and his exact answer was, "When the minion goes giant and punches the rocket lady in the face." So it was, and and that and that was it. That was that the was one thing he, liked. he did, Like I said, he enjoyed it. It's 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 not geared towards like I think they had the trailer on for Inside Out before it. And that seemed like, mm. I laughed at that, and my mum laughed at that. And it kind of seemed like the thing that older kids could enjoy as well. But with Minions, it, it seems yeah. like there's a very specific, like, say, three to seven age limit on it. Because it's yeah. it's just, it is what it is. It's exactly what you expect it to be. I mean, the amount of Minions crap that is all over the shops now. And yeah. they'll probably make it to Me 3 or a Minions 2 because they're going to make money off it. I mean, yeah, I mean, people are weirdly enthralled by million, by millions, minions, <laughs> I, 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 which is one of the things that I never got, and I've never, like, I mean, they, they don't get on my nerves so much, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, I just don't get why everyone's like, just, oh, yeah. I love the minions, they're great, <laughs> and I'm like, they're just okay, I don't get what the big appeal, I mean, quite frankly, I, I, I wasn't waiting for this, for any, for any anticipation <laughs> at all. <laughs> But you know, it, it's vaguely enjoyable. I mean, I I didn't. I think I laughed probably about once or twice. I think my the biggest laugh I got was the what was actually towards the end with the guitar oh, bit. Oh yeah. When he gets when he gets a new guitar, and then just like just smashes it up, and you're like, yeah. oh shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That made me laugh. Uh-huh. But generally, I kind of sat there with my arms crossed, going, yeah, okay. <laughs> just like, you know, yeah. not like kind of bored, but just kind of just like, yeah, okay, kind of, all right, fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what you said about the age range is right, Emma, because I, I went with a, a family friend and her nine-year-old, who I've known since she was born, and I said, do you mind if I come along, because I explained it, all that sort of thing. And I sat there, and honest to God, um, the nine-year-old was barely entertained, like, because she, she liked the Despicable Me films, and she was like, oh, okay, I'll go see it, you know, all that sort of thing. And it was just, it's... It's a bit like Candy Floss. It's brightly coloured. It's light. It's vaguely sweet, but it is for kids. It's it's completely throwaway fun, and you don't need it. Like no one was like, do you know? We kind of need the full backstory of yeah. the minions. You could you you could have fit this film. You could have fit the first five minutes, which just explains it, into a Despicable Me film, yeah. and that was it. Because you 
you didn't need everything else, like with the overkills and with, you know, all the random actors popping up. But it's like you had Alison Janney in this, you had John Hamm, you had Sandra Bullock. And it's great they're doing, like, this stuff, but it's a shame when it's a bit kind of lackluster and it is just a really it obvious cash in. This is like, it was, it's DreamWorks, isn't it? And yeah. like, my problem with DreamWorks is, like, I really enjoyed How to Train Your Dragon. I think that's an excellent film. But they yeah. film, besides, like, Shrek and How to Train Your Dragon, their films do lack a certain depth of them that allows them to have this big crossover. That That's the way I feel. And, you know, I mean, some Pixar films aren't great, like Cars isn't great, and Brave was all right. But there's some Pixar films that would be in, like, my top ten. Like, Up, I, I adore Up. Up and Wally are just brilliant films. I could, yeah. I can oh, watch Wally. them over and over and over again. And even, even mm. though Freddie enjoyed this, when we came out, I was like, did you enjoy it? Would you like to see it again? And he went, no, no. And he's five, you know what I mean? My boyfriend kind of said, it's almost like they could have made this as, like, a TV series for, like, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network, you know, kind of. And it might yeah. work better that way. Like little snippets of like the minions and Stone Age and kind of building up to their meet and grow and then lean into like a Spiffle Me 3, maybe. But I, I kind of yeah. think as well it lacked the presence of Gru as a character and the, and the girls mm. and things like that. Because yeah. I really enjoyed Spiffle Me uh, 1, 2, not so much. But I do think the minions work better as you know, psych- yeah. sidekicks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the Spiffle Me trailer. You know, the bit where they set the desk on fire, <laughs> and there's the minion going, Nino, Nino, Nino. I thought that was so funny. I had to laugh every time I saw it. But they do, I think they need, yeah. they need like, someone else to. Master! Yeah. Big boss, yeah. big boss. Yeah, do you know what this reminds me of, weirdly? And it's, because it's just a couple of years out, is uh, The Penguins of Madagascar. Because they'd yeah. done the same thing, is that The Penguins were really popular in the Madagascar films, to the point where my dad, who doesn't really like animated films, he's like, I like The Penguins, because they're just like uh, mafiosos. And I'm like, yeah, that's it's funny. The film is average yeah. at best, but they're just like they've got they've got a TV show now on Nickelodeon of the Penguins, and I it's just weird. Like I was in Primark over the weekend with my boyfriend, and we were he was getting a shirt or something, and there was like minion shirts for men, and we went upstairs, and there was minion shirts for girls, and then there was minion pajamas for women, mm-hmm. and then there was the kids stuff, and he was like, yeah. this is everywhere, this is ridiculous, and I was like, it's just it's money, it's all about the money. And it will make yeah. money because it's like you said, it's candy floss. That's it. I mean, yeah. Freddie, like, I don't, this sounds terrible. I won't let Freddie watch any piece of trash film that comes on. I don't care if it's a cartoon or some stuff. I'm like, that's, it's not worth watching. I know it's not. Put something else on. And he's like, but Mom, I want to see the talking dog. And I'm just like, no, watch something good. Watch Wreck It Ralph or something like that. <laughs> because even yeah. working in, like, when I used to work in the cinema, we'd get films like, all the time that would come out for half term, they'd be able to week or two, and you wouldn't see many trailers for them. But the parents would take their kids to go mm. see them, and they never made a lot of money. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why, if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like, Alpha and Omega, I remember that vaguely being out, and Escape from Planet Earth, and things like that. Things that are just designed. I almost feel like they are produced, written, and put together in, like, a gear, and then just thrown out. I mean, I'm not sure how much it costs yeah. to make a film like that anymore, but they're obviously making enough money on them to throw them out that quickly. It, it's getting into this really kind of... It's like a factory, isn't it? Like, I imagine they've got yeah. a group of people writing scripts for a kid's film, and then they move along to the next apartment, then they start another script, and it's just like, cute character, talking dog, precocious little kid. That's it. Moving on. Brightly coloured. I mean, I do say this as a parent. My kids get into this they want to watch the same thing all the time and freddie goes through these phases like it was wreck it ralph and then now it's a lego movie and ducktales i mean he will watch he was watching the lego movie the other day and he started singing everything is awesome and freddie never ever ever sings it's just something he doesn't do but i don't, I don't mind that because Aww. i can watch it but if he was watching something like this all the time especially with the summer holidays coming up i'm going to lose my fucking mind Things though, there, there there will be homes that will have yeah. it have that though, and, and just yeah. like, yeah. and it will just like banana yeah. like all day long Netflix for about six months. Ten times worse as well because all that shit's on Netflix. The only thing this is going to sound really silly as well, but because Freddie has a speech impediment, um, he can't say certain words, and this it's it's such a picky little thing. But you know the way the minions say "bello" instead of "hello." I'm like, my kid does not need to be walking around thinking that's the way you say hello. And I'm... Well, the thing so is, I've just realised that it's actually kind of like a mixture of French and kind of Japanese and all these kind of various little accents. That's the only time I picked up on that, rather than just like, yeah, obviously, gook. And like, obviously, I'm not not at all saying they should speak 
properly because there's children who can't talk properly and they're going to take this on. But mm. I notice if Freddy is watching a TV show where you've got characters like this who speak a bit funny, he will imitate them. And because he has a problem with his speech anyway, it's so much harder to get him out of the cycle of saying things correctly. So it, it's it's weird to see the influences films like this have on such young children, especially in the development and I know that's like that's not going to be a concern for pretty much anyone else who watches this film but it's just little things like that that I pick up on which is why I don't mind oh, but it's, it's a valid concern and it's a valid thing that you go through so it's worth mentioning it's, it's worth talking I, I about find, like the certain films Freddie will watch and he will he'll learn things like he watches like dinosaur trains so he knows all the names of the dinosaurs and he was watching a cartoon about space and he was going out and telling me all about the planets so kids are so impressionable at that age and it is kind of like I mm. want him to learn something but he'd be entertained at the same time because this, in a couple of years yeah. I'll probably won't care as much because he'll be a little bit older but right at that age he is now I start taking 12 A's and shit I kind of want, <laughs> I kind of want a little bit more to myself just because if he is going to sit with the television all the time while I'm working and things I'd like to know that he's getting something out of it and he's not just rotting his brain and that's such a that's such a mum yeah. thing to say but yeah it, it kind of I wish there was a little bit just another little level to it almost I mean I, I did like the 60s vibe yeah. of it like is the it, soundtrack it, was good yeah because you could have all the 60s so you basic excuse to throw all that who and the dolls and things like that um, and also was it John Hamm plays Herb. the the yeah, yeah. Herb. Herb. See, I, I liked his character I, I like I liked he was John kind Hamm. of like I liked it. Was it yeah. Jennifer Saunders, uh, the Queen? Yes. Oh, yeah. is that who it was? Yeah. The voice cast, it oh. did have like a really, like you said, a, a decent voice cast, but they just didn't seem to be. Yeah. I, want, I wanted more of that crime family, uh, though. I mean, yeah. they just kind of like, oh, I kind of like them, and they just disappeared. Oh, just wait, they'll get a yeah. spin off next. See, things, I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd seriously yeah. would watch that. I mean, that's Michael Keaton and Alison Jenny, yeah, wasn't it? it was. Um, yes. So I mean, but I, I will say this: like, it, it is nice to see that in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment of time where everyone's complaining about in most blockbusters how like a city like just gets destroyed and like how like there's anonymous civilian casualties, mm. um, and like, every, every time that happens in a Marvel or DC film, everyone goes like, oh, not again. Uh, yeah, it happened in Minions, and I don't see anyone saying shit That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I know, but no, basically, I yeah, but basically, yeah, but the, the but, rules are the no, same. I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it's essentially, yeah, exactly. I mean, the only difference is, is cartoon. So this like cartoon makes a difference. I'm sorry, London gets fucking destroyed. But yeah, I, I just find how funny how people's like, you know, they'll kick off about one thing and then the same thing happens in one film and it goes completely unnoticed. Yeah, yeah that's um, a tough one. So minions, we're all a bit. Nah. Banana. And that's our opinion. <laughs> it was, it was, it was alright. It'll, it'll sort, you know, the kids, kids will like it. Yeah, and that's what it's made for. Yeah. It wasn't terrible. It was just yeah. alright. Well, that wraps up our yeah. presentation for this evening. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, imagine if you will. See, this is my new intro. It's clever. This. Imagine <laughs> if you will. Um, Imagine a time of really wrong. I'm trying to create some ambiance and you just ruin it. <laughs> it's not, I'm not going to be able to do this now. I'm totally fuck it up. Right. Imagine, if you will, you're standing outside your house on a warm, clear night. 
Maybe you've set out to have a cigarette. Maybe just to get some fresh air. You look up in the night sky and you see a bright light. It's a star, you think at first, but oh no, stars don't change colour. It's a plane, you think, but oh no, it's moving too fast. And as you stand there, transfixed by this light, you realise suddenly you can't move, you're paralysed with fear or by something else. And as the spaceship descends closer and closer to you, that's when you realise you're dead meat. Dun, dun, dun. It's fucking cool, you both know it. Nice. And if I had theme music, that's where I'd play it, so let's all imagine that I just played the X-Files theme music. So, if you didn't get from my muddled introduction then, this is Dead Meat. Welcome. Have a seat. Pour yourself a drink if you want. Tonight we're talking about aliens. Now, some people might say that aliens are science fiction and they don't belong in a horror section. And I say to them, shut the fuck up. They're scary. They belong in horror. And I've just reduced genre studies down to that single sentence. No one's going to argue with me there, are they? (laughs) No, because then they can make a horror film about anything. Very good point. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, like, you'd say, well, not not horror film when that's about two girls. Well, women are scary. Wise man once (laughs) said, space, the final frontier. See? Clever. See what I did there? Mankind has always been fascinated with space. It's the great unknown. It is the final frontier. It costs a hell of a lot to get us there, and we can only go so far as the fucking moon, and we're not even going there anymore. There's so much about the universe that we don't know, and even the stuff that we do know is fucking hard to explain. You've got black holes and dark matter, and how are stars born, and all this kind of crazy crap. And the biggest question is, are we alone in the universe? Now, I know we talked last time... um, a little bit about the 1950s and horror films back then, but I'm just going to briefly go over that. After the war ended, science fiction horror films really emerged, and there was two reasons for this. One was that the mad scientist replaced the horrors of before because we'd had the nuclear bomb, we'd had the bombings of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So Pan's horror films, we, we, we saw the better Godzilla because we were asking the question, what happens when we unleash this gigantic power on the world, the destruction we have caused to our own planet, what is going to happen then? So we had these type of films with, um, you also had them and the blob and things like that, where we were asking questions about what we had done to our own planet and what the consequences were. The flip side of that was America got really, really fucking shit scared about communism. And the House of Un-American Activities Committee, which was set up in 1939 originally to uncover citizens with Nazi ties kind of changed tact and started looking for communism. They looked for communist spies basically and people were dragged in and questioned about their loyalties to the country because they were really scared that there was this silent communist invasion going on and films like The Day the Earth Stood Still and Invasion of the Body Snatchers really explored these questions. The, we had in The Day the Earth Stood Still you got Klaatu comes down in a big spaceship and he looks human. Invasion of the body snatches, people are replaced. You've got these pods, but they look the same. The only difference is with the plateau and with the invasion of the body snatches is they are emotionless and they're cold. And it's really hard to tell if they are one of us or one of them. And that them is in inverted commas there. It's got your quotes on. It was the worry that your parents, your children, your neighbour could be one of them and you couldn't tell the difference. And this was a, it was a real fear for America. This 
the films of the 1950s really fed on this fear and anxiety of things being out of our control. Um, in Monsters from the Eid by Margaret Terrett, I can't remember if I'm writing, she said that science fiction films reflect social anxiety about increasing technological prowess and its responsibility to control the gigantic forces of destruction it possesses. And that really fits in with talking about the bomb and things like that. We had a lot of, you know, m mad scientists became the new crazed doctors. You know, you had those little flashing glasses and the intelligence they possessed in the eyes of the cinema goers. But what they were doing with that, you know, this intellect, they were using it to, you know, create these monsters. And these monsters were only being created by what mankind had done to our own planet. So that was really scary for a lot of people. When, if you talk about, like, alien films, I mean, there are a few that come to mind. And today... We are going to be discussing a little bit um, The Day the Earth Stood Still and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And we're also going to be talking about the alien film. Alien. It, it's simple. It's there in the title. It tells you everything you need to know. We're also going to be talking about The Thing. Um, and I would also like to talk about Attack the Block because I know Chris really likes it and I really like it. And it's yes. a little bit different to your other alien films. So, if you're looking at um, the 1950s, alien films it was really a, a threatening of the collective if you um, in the day they still Klaatu is basically being sent down from his planet saying get your shit together or we are going to come down and fucking take over we will bomb the fuck out of you because these aliens apparently saw how we were using the bomb and were really scared about this it's also a similar theme in the remake with Keanu Reeves which I think was about 2008 it was about us being watched by some sort of higher power in Alien and The Thing, it's a threatening of the self. It's much more isolated. The Thing, as everyone knows, it's on an Arctic base. It's a very small crew. Alien is in space millions and millions of light years away. So it was more about like the threat on your own, on yourself, and how you protect yourself. But the other films were about humanity as a whole. They were about how do we protect ourselves, all of us, from this thing we don't understand and we, we don't know. And Innovation of the Body Snatchers, there's no real... With most of these films, there's no real reason why we are being attacked by these aliens. In Alien and the Thing, it's basically just about procreation and survival for the for the alien. But in Invasion Body Snatchers, it was this kind of quiet invasion, this taken over. Just you're not really worthy to live on this planet, so we're going to come in and just take take it from you. Actually, you know, it's a bit bang on when you think about it, really, isn't it? When we look at Alien and the thing we are moving away from these human like monsters to shit of nightmares the these things are crap you can't <laughs> couldn't dream of even if you wanted to um so if we talk about alien now um it it, it it's an excellent excellent film it's a it's beautiful the alien is it's just brutal it's just it's it's a perfect killer machine basically it's designed it's perfectly designed for what it's supposed to do which is just procreate and fuck shit up um i have another quote here because i do like my quotes it's from aliens mothers monsters and marines which appeared in film as text and it's by thomas caldwell and he says the alien is the perfect organism its capacity to kill parasitic reproductive system and acid blood defense mechanism puts to the top of the evol evolutionary food chain and you know we first see it as the it's the face hugger gets Kane um, and feel free to jump in if I get this wrong at any point the face hugger jumps on Kane and attaches himself to it and they can't remove it because every time they cut it it's got 
it struggles, struggles in. It's bleeding fucking ass a bullet. It yeah. digs in deeper. And, yeah. It falls off, it runs away, and then not long later, we've got the infamous chest burster scene. Where he's at dinner and yeah. he starts convulsing, and this shit comes out of his chest. Now, obviously, that's all to do with the fear of death and all that kind of stuff, but we won't talk too much about that today. We're yeah. just going to focus on the monster. The alien runs off and it starts to grow at a crazy speed. Now, from what I, I haven't seen the film in about a year now, but the alien, when it, it it's just killing, it's not killing and impregnating or taking anything from the rest of the, the crew. It's just killing them. I'm right in saying that, aren't I? It's just... Yes. Yeah, it's from just... From what I remember. Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, I think there is, like... I do you remember the director's cut where you the, do find, is, like, some of the crew... There is a cool thing, aren't they? That's in... Yeah, that's mm. in the director's cut. Yeah, they, yeah they, so that, that, but that, I think that's in the director's yeah, cut, though, so... Oh, okay. So it may vary on what version yeah. you see. So, the alien... It's basically a small crew with increasingly dwindling numbers against the alien mm. uh, once again I'm not going to go too much into Ripley and all that kind of thing but it ends up with Ripley versus the alien and Ripley basically she uses the ideas the rest of her crew had to defeat the monster in the end but you've got some some really tense scenes in this movie as she's running to the escape pod you're just thinking oh it's fucking behind you you're about to get so fucked up you yeah. are never going to escape and the cat the cat just ramps up the tension because you think oh you're dead you're, you're definitely an alien or something like it just it sets you on edge and the alien it's just so it's so otherly isn't it it's it there's nothing yeah. human about it it's got this elongated head and the you know the extra jaw it's, and it's dripping with goo and it's yeah. got long oh, arms and it's the scotland that's what gets me yeah, it's very kind of Lovecraftian. It it's very kind of otherworldly, and it, I know it was <laughs> inspired by H.R. Geiger, 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 and it's very you know. I mean, you can read into like the subtext of the you know thing all you want, and you know, of the extra jaws and the kind of the bulbous head and all that sort of thing. But the well, point it's head is that head's meant to look like a penis, so isn't it? And that kind of yeah. Well, I done. I've always wondered, do they have an assigned gender? Because I know obviously there's the queen, but then if they are genderless, does that then kind of tie into the whole thing about, you know, because what they're effectively doing is they are in a way it's kind of an algorithm for rape for how they get the victims because they force the way into the mouth and then that they force them to give birth. Definitely, and definitely what it is, isn't it? It's, it's just about this this violation, this really horrific birthing, the way the way they're born and thing. It's, yeah. it's all about this violation and the alien itself because it's so it's not like anything you've really seen before. It's so out there. It's so yeah. out of your context of what you understand an alien to look like. I mean, even Star Trek, you know, it's a guy in a rubber suit. You know what I mean? It, 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 that, that's yeah. what it is. But this, it's just so other. And it's such a... I'm trying to think of the word. It goes so much against our nature. It's so out there. It just... It's so shocking. Mm. It's so kind of inherently it unnatural. It's something we're not used to at all. It's like, oh, okay, it, this it is... It gets cane first, and it essentially impregnates him. So it's an unnatural birth, and it's an unnatural reproduction. It just... Mm. Everything about it is wrong. And I can't remember what year E.T. came out. You had E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 82. It's year I was born. Um, because E.T. came out the same time as John Carpenter's The Thing. It was, I think, it released yeah, in the same yeah. week, and John Carpenter's... Joe Carver's the thing, like, bombed, obviously, E.T. was, yeah. like, a mega hit, so that was kind of, like, the weird yeah, kind so, of thing. you know, the, this was, 
it was just so violent and it's just so it's just it's so everything that is wrong you know violent and aggressive and it's fucking damn near yeah. unkillable and the fact that it's it, the film itself is so claustrophobic yeah. you know they're on their own there is no help coming. even though like Ash is like haha I have ruined the yeah. comm system fuck you you're all dead they're just they're, what else even if they he hadn't done that who's no one's going to come help them no one and this thing took down yeah. a team of what there's like eight people in this film at the beginning it took down this team in like less than a day so what isn't what's an army going to do with it and it, it's that kind yeah. of it's that worry of like one of these things took down this many people in such a short amount of time what could 10 do what could 100 do you know and it's that kind of yeah what can you do in that situation I mean what would you do now if one scuttled up to your window that, that's what you'd be fucked you'd be fucked no <laughs> well that's what that's not really that's what really makes it work both as a villain and as a, a as a true kind of horror film in that in horror films a lot of it is about mm. the chase and there's always the idea of you know oh you're running through a house or a street, and there's always outside but this is terrifying because there is yeah. no outside the literally the only way to escape would be to kind of throw it and kill yourself and get die yeah, in the vacuum or whatever but then you've got the I was going to say the alien who like you said he's so other he's so categorised or she or it he's so categorised as other that's what's scary to us because we can't quantify it we can't go oh that's just uh, that you know it's it's kind of yeah. scarier than a serial killer because a serial killer like is yeah. flesh and blood whereas this we're like how the hell do you actually do this and it's not a shadow out the corner of your eye I mean it is in a way yeah. but that's what it makes it so scary because you can't can't relate it to anything it's not like Psycho where it was oh it's a guy and a thing and then you can kind of quantify it this is it is the unknown it is something in that black yeah. space of you know night sky that is yeah, what's scary it, it, the it, unknown it is and it's like you said it's everything about it it's just it's unnatural like even the noise it's making there's a point i think where ripley and the captain are on mm. the side of the ship and you can hear it screaming like just making that horrible screeching noise and imagine like hearing that oh. coming for you it's um i mean i know in, in aliens the sea where they, they like they know they're coming and they can see them and they know they're on top of them and things like that and they've got the, the gun turrets going and they know how many bullets they've got and it's that sense of holy shit like there was a thousand bullets in those things and they are still coming like what what can you do there's nothing you can do and Ripley damn near kills herself trying to get rid of it anyway it's just it's yeah. so terrifying and like you said it's got a lot to do with mm. where the hell did this thing come from what what kind of life cycles they got? What's its home planet like? What is its purpose? And there is no purpose. It just it kills and reproduces and kills and reproduces. And I know you could boil it down and say, well, that's all we do as people. But you know, we have the ability to make art and music and to create and all that kind of thing as well. This doesn't do any of those things. It doesn't it's just we just we just don't understand it and we can't understand it. And that's it goes back to this whole we don't like not being in control and we don't like not knowing. But like you said, Chris, we don't know. We don't know anything about space. We just don't. It's just a big black thing in the sky. That, that's always scary. You know, you know, it's like the only the thing that's always scary, whatever scares anyone. And it, it, it's always like, what context? It's like, it's it's not knowing. So therefore, you put it onto basic nature, like the dark. Like, as a kid, we're all scared of the dark. It's, we're scared of the dark because we can't see. We don't know what's in front of us. We don't know what what's, yeah. what's there. Yeah, it's that basic thing, and so it's whatever. So if you think about whatever, whenever you're scared, it's because you, you, mm. you don't know. You, you, you don't know. You don't know what's going behind that door. You don't know. 
there's like you know when you see a horror horror movie and there's a monster slash killer. It's always scarier before that killer's yeah, actually revealed. As soon as the killer's yes. revealed, it's like it it has no scare factor whatsoever. Yeah. It just becomes like yeah. a oh, that's it's a thrill like, bit. Like you were just saying then about being right. scared of the dark. It's like space is the ultimate dark, and space is so big you can't actually say how big it is in numbers that your brain can even understand. Like that that's freaky. That yeah. even freaks me out. No, it's, it's just infinite. It's just I, like, it's just, it just keeps on going. How can it be infinite? How can there be no end to it? That that freaks me out. That, that scares the shit out of me. But yeah. um, when we look at the thing, the thing is, it's it's, it's got, it's quite similar in some ways, especially if you want to really look into the themes of like, sex and violation and all that kind of thing. So, this is an all-male crew in the Arctic. The thing, I should say, is also a remake of The Thing from Another World, which I believe is a Howard Hawks film which is based on a short story called Who Goes There, which is a fucking excellent name for a short story, if you ask me. So <laughs> it starts off with the, the husky dog running off, and then the best way to say it is shit goes down really fast and really graphically. The difference between the thing and alien is that the alien will kill you and it'll burst out your chest and that's it, but the thing infects you. It, and then the, the way the body starts to just disintegrate and... I've heard that the thing is really an analogy for the AIDS epidemic because people didn't really know what was going on and they just saw these people whose bodies were basically just given up on them. People who didn't look like themselves anymore. It's and it goes back to the original like nineteen fifties that uh, the scene where they're all like they've got the blood test and they're gonna they're gonna heat it up. Like yeah. that like it could be any one of us. It, you know, and you're not really gonna know until it's too yeah. late and it's fucking chewing your arm off with its leg or something like that. Yeah. It's I think in some ways the thing is more overt than Alien. Alien can be quite subtle, like you said, Chris, about like it's the corner of your eye and it's moving really fast. The thing is just like, mm. look at this weird thing, look at this weird thing, look at this weird thing, like over and over and over again. And it's relentless and it never, ever, ever stops with it. It just keeps coming and every time you think, can't get any worse than that guy's chest just by like, the fella's arm. It gets worse, the head starts walking and it just... It's just like what uh, Kurt Russell yeah. says is like, you gotta be fucking <laughs> That's exactly yeah. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. And it's what I like about these two films, especially, um, is it's a small scale invasion. It's it's kind of I know the the prequel to the thing with the to Channel Elizabeth tried to give some sort of like backstory to it, but um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It's not like we don't know originally where it came from, we don't know what it wants, and it doesn't seem to want to reproduce or procreate. It doesn't seem to want to do anything except what it does. And once again, it's kind of like you can't reason with it because what fucking language does it speak? And you don't know what it wants, and you probably couldn't give it what it wants, and it's going to get you anyway, especially like the Arctic is such a good setting. The same way Ian is, like you said, Chris, there is no, there is no outside. Outside will kill you just as quickly as this thing's going to kill you. And it's mm. like the last scene with McCready. Yeah. I know everyone says that he knows that the guy with him's a thing, so he puts gasoline in the bottle because the thing's not going to be able to taste it. And he knows he's going to die anyway. He knows they're both dead no matter what. So it's like, would you rather take your chances in the freezing cold tundra or would you rather be ripped apart by this awful parasite? And it's just... In some ways, because it's not really got any sort of physical form in the same way Alien, the Xenomorph and Alien has. It's just, it is what it is. It's a, a head scuttling around on the floor and it's a big mouth in someone's chest. Like, there's no 
it's even harder to quantify than xenomorph because it, it's not mm. really physical and i think because it 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 mimics people or it takes them over or whatever it does it ramps up the paranoia so much and like i said it does kind of link back to the mm. original 1950s film because you're like well yeah okay i know he's got an, a xenomorph inside of because i saw the thing on his face before but i don't know that you're not the thing because how the hell would i know if you're the thing and yeah. the fact that it's just called the yeah. thing that's it there's no word for it that's yeah. all it is I mean, as a horror film, because I've only seen the... I think I've seen a bit of the 70s one with um, Kurt Russell, but, you know, if you take it back to the 1950s, because it is going through, and it is kind of rooted in the Red Scare, and it is in the idea that anyone could be this scary, unknowable um, horror, and it's, it's what ties to a lot of 1950s alien films, is of this other person who, they look like your neighbours, they talk like them, they have the same habits and all that sort of thing, but underneath they could be a communist or an alien or a murderer or that sort of thing. So that is what I think makes the thing quite scary in that you don't know. You literally could be looking at someone who you've known for years and it turns out they've been assimilated or killed or copied by this um, thing that doesn't, like I said, it doesn't really have a physical form. So then that really does tie into kind of the communism and the um, McCarthyism and all that sort of thing, which I I think did scare them. We're going to talk about the Tackle Block out because, like I said, me and Chris are quite big this. This reminds me of the faculty a little bit. In the way yes. that, okay, it's not an isolated area. We're talking inner city London, faculties and a high school. And it's only the kids that know what's going on, really. There's a lot of horror films, mm. especially in your slasher films, there's a lot of mistrust of parental figures and people in power. And Attack the Block plays this up really well because... I think you could say a lot about um, race, the issues of race in Attack the Block, the way Moses is treated. Yes. And not just that, because, mm. you know, his friends, the gang that Moses hangs around with, there's a lot of different ethnicities and things like that. But the way they're treated as young people, I mean, a lot of people I know don't like this film because they say they felt no sympathy for the characters, they felt no emotional connection with the main characters. And when you first see Moses, he's, a, he's mugging that poor girl. But then you, he's mm. kind of like, there's that drug dealer guy almost who's kind of in charge. He wants Moses to sell drugs for him. So Moses is kind of almost powerless. And you forget that Moses is like, he's 15, 16 in this film. And there's a lot to be said about how they, their upbringing in this tower block, it kind of prepares them for this, what happens. I mean, yeah. if anyone who hasn't seen yeah. the film, the block starts with a group of kids mugging this woman. They see this big bright light in the sky go and find this alien which they kick it's i think this is an exact quote they kick its fucking head in basically for no other reason except they're a bunch of horrible fucking little kids that's it however this it seems like this alien has it's a female who was crash landed on the planet on its way to somewhere else and its senses attracted the bigger aliens which are described in the film as big gorilla wolf motherfuckers believe that (laughs) i love that Um, description so the the kids are basically trying to survive the night with all these these huge horrible screechy fluorescent teeth aliens coming at them and they don't know why and no one really believes them except for Nick Frost who is a weed dealer and they kind of taken on I can't remember the girl's name Jodie something Jodie Jodie Whittaker beginning and it's I really like this film it's so small scale it's Joe Cornish yeah. Adam and Joe made this film it's it's funny, it's witty, it's got a really good pace. The 
aliens are they're so different from like what we talked about previously. They're just these big hairy mm. galloping things and then you've got this whole thing with the police are like the police are kind of always on the edges of the estate, but they never come close enough to really help them. So they're re- they're on their own and no. they kind of take it upon themselves like we have to we have to do something about this now because I believe Moses says this is our block. That's it. And he's yeah. like, We know it's not much and we know it's a shithole, but this is our home and you don't come into our block. There's also a couple of scenes with yeah. one of the younger lads and he, co- he lives with his nan. And he's, she's like, where are you going, sweetheart? And he's like, just playing football, nana. But he's like, getting his nunchucks out and stuff like that. <laughs> I enjoy this film. And I'm going to hand over to you now, Chris, to explain to me why exactly you love Attack on Okay. I really love it because it's really rare to see an alien film that takes place in an inner city setting. And because obviously we're British, we connect to it a bit more than, say, an American one or from you know a different part of the world. I really like it because you mentioned it touches on race, and it does. I think it handles it really well. I mean, so that it's really surprising that this is written by a white guy and directed by a white guy, as you said, Joe Cornish. But he did have a lot of help from local communities and that sort of thing to, to get the language right. I mean, there's a brilliant line where he says, "Oh, that was it. Black black kids or black boys weren't killing themselves fast oh, enough yeah. when they introduced drugs into the, yeah. and introduced guns. So now they're sending aliens to kill them." And I was just like, "That is yeah, actually I, really." I totally forgot about that line. Around. Like he's talking about. They sent the drugs in, so they sent the guns in, and like the, Moses at I'll one point is in. convinced that it's the government trying to wipe them out. And at first I yeah. was like, ugh, but the more I thought about it, I was like, fucking hell, like, you think of it from his point of view? It's not that no, far a stretch. Not, I mean, it's I know, I mean, to take it in another direction, I know, I read online that some people believe that AIDS was created by the government to wipe out two distinct sets of people on this mm. planet who suffer a lot of prejudice, and that is gay people and black people. I'm not saying yeah. I believe that or I don't believe that, but a lot of people do believe that, and you can see why, especially when, even nowadays, I know we've had, just this past week, gay marriage has been legalised in all of America, which is, it's excellent news, you know, it's about fucking time, but there's still so much racism, yep. and there's still so much homophobia going on, and you can kind of feel for Moses, like, as someone who's been brought up in this, this really hard environment, why he would think that and to me a, a white girl you think oh that's a bit silly but he really believes that and you really feel that he believes yeah. that as well that's what i think is kind of ridiculous when they say and i've had people who've watched it and they're like oh i don't really you know you can't listen to the main character i'm like are you kidding me these poor kids who've grown up in you know a relatively deprived area i mean admittedly they're in the uk which is still a, a sort of a good country to be in but if you look at the lives if you look at the expectations because uh black um teenage youth particularly boys uh they still face institutional racism they still face um a hell of a lot of you know even external open racism out there when he's going through the oh no it's when sam who is the nurse who they mugged and later kind of become allies with she's going through moses's flat to like detonate um, a bomb or something or lay some gas and she just realizes that yeah he's tough and he's the leader and that sort of thing but he's 14 yeah, he's or he's like, 15 because she sees like the football dude exactly he's got like the and he's got like the school yeah. photo and everything and it's just boy. it's like it it really, it really brings home because you you see several of these kids yeah. die for no for no reason. And that, it's not like the horror rules where oh they drank no, or they had I mean, sex or they did this or they did that. They are um, not well, no, but they don't. They, well, yeah, but they don't get specifically killed for that, like, and the two survive. You kind of feel like they really are products of their environment, and and they're just doing yes, what exactly. they're doing because that's what you do to survive. 
most of this group is made up of different ethnicities as well. I mean, the, yes. the really young kid, I can't remember his name now, he, he's white, and I think it, it's no. the fact that the, some of the other kids are like of different ethnic backgrounds, different religions, so it's kind of like this... Yeah, yeah biracial, sort of thing, like, yeah. ...mixture of different experiences that are brought together, but Moses is definitely the hero, and he kind of has kind of like at the very end when he's like we've got the plan and he's standing there and he's just got like the vest top on and the hat pulled out and he's yeah. standing there like glaring this alien in the face and you're like it's almost like he's growing up he's a, and yeah, he's and a he superhero like a superhero as well and I think Attack the Block it didn't it didn't seem to get a lot of love from people but I think it's definitely definitely worth giving it a shot if you haven't seen it before and you want something new to watch yeah. give it a shot because it is really really fucking good I think we're going to wrap up the tonight because we have been going on a really long time. So, briefly, knock knock. Yeah, okay. Minions. Yeah, okay. Attack the block. Good. There we go. And yes. that's all for us tonight. I'd like to thank Chris Byrne and Chris Haig for joining me and give them a chance to tell you where you can follow them and what their little pet projects are. Chris Byrne, you go first. Where can people follow you on the Twitters? Oh. On the Twitters, uh, you can follow me at Cinematronics, and that's uh, Tronics with an X in the end. And you can also find my website, uh, Cinematronics.com, where you can find my podcast. I, that's right, I do have my own podcast. Eventually, uh, I've just recorded one on Jurassic World and Inside Out, so you'll be able to find them very shortly, if not now, hopefully. But yes, subscribe. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, you can tweet and twat me and do whatever. Uh, um, at higher underscore boy. Um, I co-host a fan friction podcast with Tom East. It's all fan fandom and media and fan friction, all weird stuff like that. We are on hiatus until August because we've had possibly the most intense kind of three, four months since we actually uh, finished recording on a regular basis. So we're going to wait until August and do that. I believe we're going to be starting sharing a space with Word of Nerd, although I... I don't know when that's going to happen. You'll have to sort of uh, Pete Gaskell about it. But yes, feel free to send me your tweets and twats and twats and all that sort of thing. You can also follow Black Hole Cinema on the Twitters at Black Hole Cinema. We're also on the Facebooks. I believe our overlord Tony will be doing a Terminator special next week. I think I'm the only person looking I forward to that. Film, but anyway. Uh, Emma Platt can send me abuse at Crushnate 2 if you want. I don't do anything else besides the dead meat section. Um, I was going to set up my own Twitter for it, but I thought, no, that that sounds like too much hard work. Um, Next time on Dead Meat, if Tony lets me back on, (laughs) we are going to be talking about the final girl. Going to be very, very scary heavy, so I do apologise in advance, but hopefully it will be enjoyable. So that's all from this evening. And before we sign off, I'd just like to remind you to stop trying to make fetch happen. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Bye! Knock, knock, shit, minions, crap, dead meat, aliens, rah, bye.